Hey, I'm Joy, and welcome to my podcast, Tell Me More. Hey, welcome back to my show, Tell Me More, a place where I interview leading business and tech entrepreneurs. This week, we're speaking with Lean Lee, CFO of the financial investment tech startup, Wellsimple. Wellsimple is Canada's largest robo-advisor company, with almost $2 billion in assets and 65,000 clients. In today's episode, Lean talks about her childhood growing up in rural China, the biggest differences between the Chinese and Canadian tech industries, and why young graduates should take a leap of faith and join a startup. My name is Lin Li. Uh, I'm the Chief Financial Officer at Wellsimple. Um, so for people who don't know, Wellsimple is the online investment manager that offers both digital investment experience and then uh, humanize the uh, financial advisor to our clients. So to start off, how did you get involved with Wellsimple? That's about uh, 18 months ago. Um, I was working with another local startup company called Infolive. I was there for about five years and then thinking to uh, move on to take another challenge. I particularly want to do something around the B2C side of it, which I never got involved before from the technology perspective. And um, one of my friends connected me with my passion, the CEO, a co-founder of Boston Paul, and we started talking. He was looking for um, somebody who is from industry and had experience in finance side of it, can really lead the finance function of Boston Paul. So I met him, really, really impressed by him and met a few key members of the teams over kind of two to three months um, time frame. And, uh, and uh, the team got me really excited. And I think I convinced him um, that uh, I was the best candidate for the role. And um, that's it. I joined September 2016. I know we talked about this a little bit before, but let's rewind to the beginning of your story. What was your childhood like growing up in rural China? So I grew up in rural China, right up northeast China. It's a city called Baishan. So the city is right on the border between China and North Korea. Um, if you go to a different part of the city, you can actually see North Koreans very close. You can see their faces. Um, you can actually scream at them and they will talk back to, to you as well. Uh, so it's a very interesting experience. And then one of the opening lines since I moved to Canada is, hey, the fun things I did in my life, I vacationed in Oxford twice in my life. And I have not seen another person who ever done that. So that was a really good fun part of it. Uh, um, I grew up in a very big family. So I'm the youngest um, girl of the five girls in the family. Um, so I have four older sisters. Um, I mean, life when I was growing up is very different. The China was very different from the China right now, um, particularly when I was in Northeast. So it's very, very undeveloped. Um, so life was kind of pretty tough when I was growing up, as I can remember. Um, but I still, I was growing up become very positive because I've seen the changes and then I also am more lucky than my sisters. Um, so I, I think I told the journalist, well, he interviewed me for um, the uh, Watson Permanent Diary. Um, you know, uh, I've got four of the sisters. Two of them went to school properly. Two of them didn't drop school, you know, at um, either junior, uh, junior high school or high school because they had to go to work to make money to support the rest of the family. So they never had a chance or opportunity to get proper education. And as a result, they never really had a great job until later 
part of the career, and you can just see the difference that makes. Um, but other than that, um, you know, as I can say, I'm pretty lucky. I feel I'm the luckiest one among all my sisters uh, growing up in a, in a different environment. What motivated me to come to Canada um, is really, I mean, I love travel. So when I start working in China, I always want to go to travel abroad and, you know, go to Europe, go to North America, go to Africa. But with the Chinese passport, at those days, it was really hard to get a visa. Um, so that's one reason why they say, hey, you know what, I want to come to abroad. Maybe I can um, stay somewhere if I really like it and give me the local passport to travel. That's the very first thing. Second thing is um, when I was working in a bank in China, uh, we had a changed, uh, change in senior management um, in the bank. And uh, the bank hired somebody who actually got MBA degree from, uh, from the States. And he implement he implemented a bunch of new management kind of um, strategies to making huge changes in the bank. Um, some might agree, some might totally disagree. So I wanted to really come here to learn the management strategies myself, just to see how I can do it differently. So that's kind of the two primary reasons why I moved to Canada. So now comparing between Canada and China. What are the biggest differences in lifestyle? Do you have any interesting observations to comment on? Uh, the life in Canada is much easier than life in China. So it's not in a way that here you can you can have a fairly decent life without working too hard. Um, in China, it's very competitive. So, give you an example, right? When I was in high school. For in order to go to university, we had to write entry exams to go to university. In my year, there's one. There's, my year, there's only one of the 17 students in my province could go to university. So for another 16 of the 17, they have either go back to re, re, do the entry exam again the next year, or they have to go to work. Right, so it's tough. So every single step in your life in China is competitive, right? You compete for almost everything. Opportunity, food, water, whenever it's possible. So people become very competitive. Um, and here it's just very different, right? Like when I remember when I went to Halifax for school, it's very late by environment and people work few hours a day and didn't they can't afford a house, they can't afford a car. In China that doesn't happen. Um, so that's kind of the one in general. The second one is really recently just to see how fast the technology has grown changed to China and the entire community. Like every time I go home right now, I'm just so impressed how advanced technology is, particularly with the mobile side of it, right? So if you know kind of technology growth, like China actually skipped the laptop generation. So when last laptop just started, but never hit, hit it off. And right now China just skipped the entire laptop generation. Everything's on mobile or iPad, right? Just like the the apps available, the, the, the innovation looking at mobile apps are just so much more advanced than North America. I think like for any other technology side of it, North America is always like far advanced compared to China. But I do think from mobile 
outside of China is probably two to three years advanced compared to North America, which was which is really really exciting. Yeah, it's really interesting to see how just a few decades ago China was so far behind North America in terms of technology, and yet they've really caught up really quickly and even exceeded North America in some aspects. What do you think we should take away from the Chinese mobile industry that we should, you know, implement more in Canada? Uh, that's a really interesting question. I think the one thing that's really important is actually thinking about the next generation, the platform that users are going to have, right? Like, you know, the reason why Chinese is so advanced in mobile, in in the, in the mobile technology, is because everybody in China is using mobile apps, right? They're using mobile phones, they're not using, they're not using laptops, right? So I think for anybody who's in North America, really thinking about like what's the next next generation of hardware people will communicate and live their life on, and then we should develop this kind of the applications and technology upon that part of it. Like we're still like. Like, I don't think mobile phone is going to be gone in the next 10 years, but we still have a long way to go, right? And a lot of times, like, if you look at technology companies here, like, they're not mobile first, right? They do do desktop and mobile together. Sometimes it doesn't work that way. If you look at Facebook, like, one of the times they actually did their switch is really totally thinking about mobile. They actually start really kind of, there's no desktop uh, developers. Every single developer is going to develop native apps on mobile, right? That's how they turn around. It took, I think, don't quote me on that. I think it took Facebook two to three years to get that. Yeah, so you think the next trend is that we should be more mobile first when developing the next new technology? Yeah, and also think about platform. Um, like, like you must have heard of WeChat, right? Oh my God, yeah. My parents are <laughs> yeah. obsessed with WeChat. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, 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 it's pretty crazy to go back. If you go to China and see how people use WeChat, is even crazier because right now in Canada, like how many like you have downloaded all the apps to your phone, right? Whenever you're doing things that like for example Uber like or Uber Eats, you have using different uh app icons on your phone, but with WeChat what it did to develop a true platform so all the mobile apps can plug into that platform and then as a user you can just log on to your WeChat, you can do all the different type of activities related to your life through WeChat. And that's like a true platform because there's so many new companies, new interesting ideas got built upon WeChat. Like that's where you dominate the entire industry. Yeah. Like if you go home, go home, like just observe how people use WeChat. Like it was, it just like, it's uh, mind blowing just how WeChat impacts every single second of people's lives, every single step since the person gets up into the person goes to bed. Like I'm just observing, I have four older sisters. So this time I just came back from China for trying to year. I've just seen how they use WeChat. Like everybody uses WeChat slightly differently, but they're using, they're logging back to WeChat, like, I don't know, a hundred times a day. <laughs> right? Like it was amazing. Like I'm just, I'm just sitting there and say, how do you use that? I want to see how to use the platform so you can borrow that idea. Just like, but WeChat dominates our life. Yeah. So, do you think we have anything comparable to WeChat here in North America? I don't. Not not in that scale. Not to that scale. I think. Yeah. I think the regulation is a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think regulation is is a big part of it. Like we're trying. Like it's kind of WeChat just started. There's less regulations right around it. So about like the moment you have. You have like payment apps on WeChat, right? Like that's where you start to really get into people's day to day life. 
But do you think that while simple can adopt any of the features that WeChat has or borrow some ideas from them? We can definitely borrow some ideas from WeChat, right? So for us, we have a desktop app. We also have a mobile app. Mobile app, mobile app is actually made of that web, right? So we have a totally separate team for the mobile app side of it. So it's not like, you know, the desktop developers would do, would do the development on desktop uh, application and then try to make them hybrid, right? We actually have totally separate teams. Um, there's certain things really kind of, I think one envision for while simple is really to do the investment platform, right? In order to be a platform, you have to do more than just what we're doing right now. I'm not going to say this is like a simple five-year vision, but, but in my mind, uh, I think we need a company in North America to be the one-stop shop for for um, just regular consumers, um, financial um, planner, or you know, the go-to platform, the, the go-to app, whenever you have um, anything to do with your moment. Right? So that would be great. Mm-hmm. So what do you think WellSimple's five-year plan is? So I give you a little bit more background on what Simple, what Simple is right now. So we operate in five countries. Um, Canada is the main country, and then we just launched in the U.S. and U.K. last year, which is 2017. Um, we initially launched in Canada with our B2C um, platform, and the last year we, ex- we expand that to B2B, uh, which to serve the financial advisors. Um, to help them to provide value to their end clients. Uh, I think in five years, Wassimble's vision is really to build our international uh, brand reputation in the U.S. and the U.K., really focus on both B2C and B2B side of it, and then also go beyond just wealth management uh, product. So we are going to launch a second product early this year, and with that success, with the learnings of that, we're hoping to launch more than just a two uh, product to our clients. Moving on to the last part of the interview, I wanted to ask, you know, do you have any advice or reflections over the past few years for young students who are new immigrants to Canada or young students who want to move from the tech space from university? Do you have any general advice, guidance, or reflections for these students entering the workforce today? For me, it's Simple one advice, I think everybody have heard that, just like stop thinking about it, just go ahead and do it. <laughs> so for the reason why is I've heard a lot, like, you know, I've got involved in memorial in the community. And lots of people ask me, you know, how do you value the opportunity? You know, should I go to a big company or should I go to a startup company with higher risk? Honestly, if you are a student or you're just a new graduate, you're young, Hopefully, you don't have a big mortgage or no liability, you know, not big liabilities. Really, there's really not, there's really nothing should hold you back. You should just go ahead, take take the position, the job with the highest risk, with the potential highest return. Give it a try. Um, if it works out, you hit jackpot. If it doesn't, then you can always you can always learn something along the way and can take that. You can always go back to the traditional industry, right? Um, I found a lot of people try to really kind of evaluate opportunities using write down the pros and cons, really kind of compare. Um, sometimes life just changes all the time. You just don't know what's going to happen. Uh, if you're young without liability, uh, just take take a bigger risk, right? Because you just can't do it when you're 35, have two kids and a mortgage. Um, 
So I'm, I don't really know whether there's anything like traumatic coming down to it. So that's kind of the first thing is really can stop thinking, just start doing it. Second one is when you pick your tons of startup company, technology company, founder, or even Silicon Valley, how you pick it, right? Um, like, love, like this is me, you know, you can hear I'm the finance person. I'm not product person. I'm not designer. Um, a lot of people say you have to pick a company that you share the vision, you're passionate about a product, that like you'll be part of it. For certain professions, for sure, if you're a designer or product manager, you need to work for a company that you really truly believe in. But if you're in general, like software developers or like finance person, let's, let's just take an example. I think what is more important is actually the culture of the company, the team that you're going to learn from, you're going to work with, and also like the senior management team, like the caliber of the senior management team, right? The, the reason why I want to say that is the very first one, the reason the culture of the firm, the, the company, if you found a, like a small startup company with a great culture, then you will have you will have the opportunity involved in lots of different projects. Um, a company with a great culture tends to value the employees equally. Uh, so for young graduates, you tend to exceed or move, you know, all, or to be on a faster track um, compared to if you go to a slightly established company with, you know, less engaging culture. So that's the first one. Second one is when you're younger, like, you know, you know, great, you make lots of money or you have like lots of stock options. That's the most important thing for you to start early and learn from the best of the industry. So the people you work with is very important because if you work with a group of really smart people, you can learn from them. Then one year in one startup, probably you could run to like two to three years in another startup, right? That gives you lots of advantage in your later career. That's the second thing. The third thing is that from the senior executive perspective, you know, if you work with like, you know, a company with really kind of strict hierarchy, then you won't you will not have access or easy access to the senior leadership. Um, that really that that will give you a less opportunity to learn from the strategic side of it, right? Um, give you an example, if you are a product manager, you can work with the people in software development team, you can work with the marketing team, but it's very important to be able to hear the vision, to learn the strategy side of it from the senior leadership so you know that, you know, what set this company apart, then that is that is knowledge that you will never learn from school, right? Like, in business school, you can learn all of this, but until the day you see action, it's really hard to crystallize that. But I think those kind of three things are really important if you're young graduates, like you are looking different opportunities. Um, but all in all, just, you know what, just do it. If it doesn't work, you always have chance opportunity to go somewhere else. Yeah, this is really good advice. I've heard this discussion personally so many times in my own life, just because a lot of my friends are, you know, stuck between deciding working at a startup or working at a big company. So I think this would be really helpful to them. Yeah, both have pros and cons, right? Like, it's, it's really both and pros and cons. Like, so just like what you really want to do and what's your risk tolerance level. It's like very similar to investment, right? <laughs> you know, you know, right? Like, you know, you and me were different. If, if you, and you and your friend think about you and your friend, you know, give an example. If you make a hundred dollars a week, if your friend makes a hundred dollars a week, because of personality, your goal and your risk tolerance level, then probably you would spend fifty dollars for the week, and the same another fifty, your friend might save you know, ten dollars spend ninety and then a third friend might spend hundred and ten borrowed than ten dollars, right? Like 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's very similar. But opportunities are the same because individual situation, individual situations, you make choose differently. Like for me, I'm always, you know, I don't really think too much. I'm just like, let's do it. And can I afford to do it? Sure. Can I afford to fail? Sure. Like, you know, what's the worst case scenario if this thing doesn't work? And can I afford to live with that worst case scenario? If I can, then I just go ahead and do it. I think personally, I think a lot of people get really deep into analysis paralysis because they want to choose the best decision possible for them. And I guess for me, the way that I think about it is that every decision you make is the right decision because whichever decision you end up choosing, say you choose A over B, you can't say that you think B was better because you never actually lived up B. So you can't definitively say that B was truly the better option if you chose A, right? Yeah. The past is the past. So it's just about going forward and doing what you want to do. Yeah, no, you. T- I, I 100% agree with you. I 100% agree with you. Like, But like one other thing to add is, regardless of what you choose, A or B, make sure you give you know 200% yourself, right? Once you choose B over A, don't go back to think about A until you really know that B doesn't work, right? Yeah, it's like, no, you don't actually know if B is better because you have no idea. You never actually did it. Yeah, no, you sound very mature. Yeah, that's definitely the right way to think. At least for, like, for me, it's the right way to think about it. It's just like, I, you know, I make choice. I'm going to put 120% myself um, to make that happen. And then if that's not right, like just making sure I switch. And that's the end of today's episode. Big thanks to you for tuning in and an even bigger thanks to Lean for joining the interview. Check out Well Simple at wellsimple.com and follow Lean on Twitter at LeanYLee. As always, today's episode is brought to you by me, Joy. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. Give a like on Facebook with the handle Tell Me More Podcast and catch along with more information at tellmemore.io. See ya next time.